James Bond. Licensed to kill. In love with Madeline Swan. I could be speaking to my own reflection. Only your skills die with your body. And life is all about leaving something behind. Isn't it? Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Weekly Real Podcast. My name is Jeremy. And my name is Ken. And today we're going to be talking about No Time to Die. This is going to be Daniel Craig's last movie as James Bond. And we're going to be talking about that movie today. But not yet. Uh, we'll, we will give the spoiler warning when we're about to start. But before we get started, Ken, uh, we, we're going to do the podcast ritual just to warm up just a bit. Uh, I want to ask you what was one notable TV show or movie that you watched in the last week? Well, um, I wasn't able, I was kind of busy watching baseball. That's not the thing I'm going to share. Go Giants, by the way. Uh, Game five tomorrow against uh, the hated Dodgers. We'll hopefully we'll be celebrating post uh, post this recording. (laughs) So we'll see. Uh, Game five tomorrow. Uh, But technically not a TV show technically not a movie i'm actually going to be sharing a netflix special that uh debuted last i want to say friday Hmm. um dave chappelle the closer you know i i believe i talked about dave chappelle on a previous episode i think it was in season two um but he came out with his latest i think and last netflix special of this kind of group uh it was called the closer and uh just to recap, Dave Chappelle is just my favorite comedian of all time. Mm. And I don't know if you've heard, Jeremy, but this particular special has been getting a lot of publicity uh, due to the controversial subject matter from the LGBTQ community mm. and uh, basically <laughs> journalists out there in general. Uh, we're not going to get into yeah. that whole thing because uh, that's not that. this is not that kind of, uh, type of show. I felt like I should uh, mention it, though. Um, there's even a movement to try to get this removed from Netflix. That's how controversial this has been. But uh, all I'll say about this special is that I think everyone should just listen to his points because he actually sets it up beautifully. He's like one of the best storytellers that I know. Um, and he always gives you thought provoking content. And all I'll say is just listen to what he has to say in the most broadest of terms, not just in the actual like talking points that he does bring up because if people are just going to be choosing and picking Mm-hmm. Uh, like it, like you know, just random little quotes or snippets, just so that it fits whatever narrative they're just trying to push. Then I don't know. It, I I'm not a huge fan of that. Listen to the whole thing. I feel like everyone should have their own opinion on it. Hey, if you're if you're not a fan of like you know his type of comedy, then just don't watch it. Mm. Do we really have to try to cancel everything? I feel like for me, comedy has always been about you know, pushing the boundaries and you know what, for me, I'm very tolerant when it comes to comedy. I think if it's funny, it's funny. Mm. And that's how I feel about this special. I thought it was amazing. Another, another classic. So, um, I recommend it. Yeah. I've watched some clips or my roommate has showed me some clips. I can tell that he's a very talented storyteller and he just delivers his stories really well and his jokes really well. Um, so I can see where you're, where you're coming from. And yeah, he, uh, my roommate did tell him, it's like, oh, they're trying to cancel Dave Chappelle. <laughs> so um, that, yeah, that's definitely an uh, interesting topic. Uh, but yeah, like, like you said, like watch whatever show in its fullest and then uh, make your opinions from there. Yeah, if you're not a fan, don't watch. You know, like I feel like everyone will be a fan of something. Um, and I don't know, I just feel like people are just looking for an excuse to just cancel people, which is the who we are as a society. I feel like there's 
I mean, and, and he brings up this up in the special real quickly. There are certainly more important things uh, in this world that we need to worry about other than a single comedian. Mm, that's true. Yeah, if you don't like him, just don't watch him. Uh, prove your point by not watching him. Don't don't give him the ratings then, I guess. That's exactly. like with any any movies or shows. Just don't watch if you don't like it. There. And then it, and then it ultimately hurts their bottom line. Yeah. You're, they're just adding to the publicity. Yeah, and that's more true. people are going to be streaming. So No uh, news for them is the the biggest thing that you can do to them. Exactly. Exactly. Uh well, what did you watch? Uh, yeah, Jamie? for me, I've been catching up on a uh, old-ish anime. Not old, it's not old. Um, it's called Attack on Titan. So it's a very popular anime. Um, just to kind of give perspective. I guess there's like this group of kids uh, living in this dystopian world, pretty much, that are overrun with these monsters called Titans. And the humanity is basically on the brink of extinction. And they basically join essentially the army, the military, to uh, destroy these Titans. So mm. I'm currently in the middle of season three, and I think their final season, which is season four, is still being made. The second part of it is still being made as the time of this recording. So I've enjoyed it uh, a lot. The action, it is gory sometimes, but the action and the drama um, is really good in the show. I recommend it. If 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 anyone out there wants to watch like an anime show, and I'm pretty sure I'm late to late to the party, but if you haven't, uh, there's still time. Uh, where can uh, people stream it? I think the first season is on Netflix, and then the rest of the seasons are on Hulu. Hulu has all of them. Not sponsored by Hulu. Just you know, every, all the seasons are on there. <laughs> there you go. I feel yeah. like. Uh... Hulu is like probably like in last place in terms of us referencing it. I feel like we don't give Hulu enough love, but I love Hulu. I mean, I subscribe to it, um, and I feel like I we definitely need to throw Hulu a little bit more love. Still yeah, not sponsored. There, there's some hidden gems in there, for sure. Yeah, exactly. And wait, how many seasons again? Sorry, uh, four. They're going on. They're trying to finish four, so they split four into two parts. Oh, okay. So it's like kind of like a mid-season, like, uh, like kind of like a mid-season finale, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a little bit of a break. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, they yeah. they do that in that show. There's like 26 episodes a season, uh, in some of them, uh, but they just kind of split it. It's almost like two seasons, even though like season three, I'm in the second half of that season, and that second half almost feels like a new season. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, but last week. We watched Venom, Let There Be Carnage, and we ran a poll for it. And uh, what was the poll, Ken? Okay, so we kept it simple. Um, and I actually kind of, I was already afraid that I would know what the, the results were just based off of my own biases. Uh, but uh, for Venom, Let There Be Carnage, the poll that we ran was, which Venom villain was better? Riot, who was the main villain in uh, the first Venom from uh, 2018, or Carnage in this latest iteration of Venom. And uh, poll results reveal that in a runaway, Carnage wins at 86%. Mm. So I'm definitely not surprised. Dang, 86%? I thought it would be higher. You should have included uh, Venom from Spider-Man 3. Maybe that would have evened the odds. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i know right or throw on some random henchman or something <laughs> yeah seriously like um i don't know dan from the first one he was kind of antagonist i don't know <laughs> yeah, exactly love interest exactly or maybe venom before uh the before they started uh becoming more of a symbiotic uh, relationship from the first one true or even the second one when they were on the outs <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but i'm not surprised for sure uh, guys, if you want to participate in the polls, uh, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Weekly Real. That's going to be every Tuesday. All right. So I'm going to start talking about No Time to Die. So uh, spoiler warning for No Time to Die. It's out in theaters only right now. Uh, and No Time to Die is going to be about James Bond 
and finishing and tying up all the loose ends in this era of James Bond. So, we're going to start off with the double feature. Essentially, that's me asking Ken a question. Ken's going to ask me a question. But the kicker is that neither of us know what the question is going to be. So, this is kind of like a spontaneous thing. So, my question for you, Ken, I'm going to jump straight to it. In your opinion, was this a satisfying end to the Daniel Craig era of James Bond? In one word, Absolutely. freaking lutely <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> and uh, no, no. Uh, it, it, it was really good. Um, I, I, it had me from the opening scene uh, with a little, you know, a little flashback of Madeline. Is that how they say it? Madeline? Madeline? I just say Madeline. Madeline. I know, and, like uh, freaking uh, Blofeld was saying it kind of weird. I was like, <laughs> how are you saying it? Well, how- <laughs> That's what that's what what was throwing me off is people kept saying it differently. (laughs) Yeah, I I just say Madeline. Yeah, well, young Madeline versus um, Safin, fully masked Safin. Mm -hmm. Like it literally just uh, grabbed my attention from the get go, and I was like, oh, dude. And then I don't know it. Everything about this movie, um, even. I guess a controversial thing. I'll, I'll put it out there now. We kind of talked about it. Um, I guess previously on the newsreel, the the runtime. Mm. I felt like it actually went by a little quicker than a two hour and forty three minute movie should. Um, so I feel like that's a good thing. But in terms of being able to carry over what uh, what Spectre started, and then them being able to kind of manufacture a, 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 another story uh, where, I don't know, I feel like, you know, just like you mentioned, Spectre was supposed to be the last Daniel Craig era uh, Bond film. And yeah. I felt like this is the movie that Spectre should have been. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, funny enough, they took the best part of Spectre and, like, you know, finished it here in No Time to Die. I thought that was funny because I don't hate Spectre. It's just kind of a bland type of movie. It's like it wants to go more James Bond, but doesn't know, like, how to stay grounded, like, in the Daniel Craig era. I think this movie fits um, within the world of Daniel Craig's Bond much better than Spectre. And I agree. It ultimately is a satisfying ending because um, I, I just felt like it was maybe too easy how it ended in Spectre. Uh, I was I remember being so hyped for Spectre and going into this movie and ultimately being somewhat disappointed. I didn't mind it. I just was like it just went out with like a, like a meh meh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but with this movie, I was very hesitant going in. I was excited, but I was super hesitant because honestly, the trailers for Spectre were better than No Time to Die. Yeah, they were a little bit more generic um, just because I felt like they were showing like the same stuff and it was more cliched, uh, like stuff that you would normally see on a uh, on a uh, action film like that. Uh, but yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah, the trailers did not get me hyped at all. It being delayed like two years uh, did not help. Uh, and then the runtime too, <laughs> and the runtime, I uh, I kind of not disagree with you. The runtime is long. Uh, I think the more boring parts are obviously in like in the middle of the movie. But I do like that. It's like they didn't hesitate to have it long enough so you can get a satisfying ending, and you don't have to rush anything. That's what I like about it. Yeah, I think uh, with. I, I'm sure we're going to be in disagreement um, and I'll probably disagree with a lot of people who think that this movie is too long. I felt like the, the, some of the scenes that maybe, you know, could arguably be cut. I felt like I liked that they were able to let some of these scenes, certain scenes breathe a little bit mm. and that it gave the actors time to actually get into character and kind of establish the relationships because I mean, obviously we're talking spoilers here, um, we get to see uh, Daniel Craig react in real time to, 
hey, is this my kid, Matilda? Mm. Matilda? I, I don't know how to say her name. Matilda. Shoot, I didn't even recognize that she had a name. Shoot. Yeah. Well, Matilda. And um, you get to see, like, it, I don't know, like, in, in my theater, like, um, my friend and I we were just trying to figure I was like, wait, that's got to be his daughter. And it's because of the blue eyes or whatever. We're, you know, mm-hmm. we're trying to piece it all together just like, like uh, Daniel Craig was. And I don't know. I just feel like because these actors were given time to kind of emote or, you know, just kind of let the scene kind of breathe a little bit. It gave, you know, it just, it ultimately, when you get to the the satisfying ending where, you know, Daniel Craig or Bond is sacrificing himself to save his family, it hits you harder just because there's that time invested with these characters. Yeah, and... I would have to say his um, his relation. I buy much more into the relationship between Bond and Madeline in this movie compared to Spectre, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just right off the bat, especially when they're just you know on vacation, pretty much. Uh, and then obviously shit hit, hits the fan. Um, but did you notice when Bond put Madeline on the train that she had like her hand on her stomach? When when Ooh. they did when she yeah. did that, uh, I was like, no, she's pregnant. And but then yeah. then, um, but then they didn't show, they didn't emphasize. There was no shot that emphasized that. So I'm like, okay, maybe she, maybe she just had her hand there. But later on, I'm like, oh, I knew it. Yeah. Well, I mean, she already had a secret, you know, and obviously, you know, the Matilda is five years old. Obviously, it. She, you know, she gave birth shortly after that train scene. And so basically what you're saying with her being pregnant, I for sure think that is actually the secret that she was think that, you mm. know, Bond was trying to get out of her. It's like, hey, it seems like you have a secret. You're just not telling me what your secret is. See, also from, yeah, Bond kind of messed up by putting her on that train because obviously he regretted it later as well. Mm. But it it it's in line with his character from the past like five films or past four films because he's been wronged and uh, betrayed so many times <laughs> uh, from like especially Vesper. Vesper, yeah. Ah, uh, I was like he he doubt, was like man, I'm not doing this again. <laughs> yeah. uh, that he uh, automatically assumed the worst. He's like screw it. Like if you're if you're gonna betray me, just don't do it. Just get out of here. By the way, uh, I was just kind of random aside with Vesper since you mentioned her. I was really surprised that she was only twenty three. Uh, you know, when they showed like when she was at uh, when Bond was at the gravesite, I was like, oh, born in eighty three, died in 06. 23? Dang. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, if Bond, I don't know how old Bond is supposed to be. Uh, let's just say he was like thirty. Let's just say mm-hmm. in the first one. He would be like four forty-five, but then even remember, there's that five-year jump. Even yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I was like, dang, he was uh, kind of robbing the cradle a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know how old. Because uh, how old was Daniel Craig in uh, 2006? 2006. I want to say isn't he like 50 now? 55. Let's go check real quick, shall we? It is. He was born in '68, mm. so we're talking about him being fifty. No, sixty-two. Dang. That so can't be right. I mean, sixty-three. Eva Green was not twenty-three, right? When Casino Royale came no. out. No, <laughs> definitely not twenty-three. <laughs> See, that was that was surprising. I don't know. I wonder if they have some type of lore thing that they. Uh, they should have just aged her up. <laughs> It would have been more believable. That's yeah, one of my someone little mini nit, nitpicks. Yeah, someone messed up just like in uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. Spider-Man Homecoming. <laughs> Eight years later. Wait a minute. It's like that's not the right. Uh, but Ken, what was your uh, question about No Time to Die for me? All right. Well, No Time to Die, and the you know, in the lead up to No Time to Die, I'm sure you heard. Uh, I want to say it was a couple of weeks ago now. Daniel Craig uh, made headlines when he was asked. 
who should be the next Bond? And he was quoted in saying, well, the answer is that that it's very simple. There should simply be better parts for women and actors of color. Why should a woman play James Bond when there should be a part just as good as James Bond, but for a woman? So first, I want to ask you any comments on Daniel Craig's comments. You know, I would agree, especially after seeing this movie. Uh, because, uh, spoiler alert, uh, I, I guess I already gave one, but uh, Ana de Armas, her character, easily could get a spinoff mm-hmm. and just get her own like movie. And that character, can I feel like, could carry a movie in the James Bond universe. I don't think they're going to do it, but I would agree because it's like James Bond is his own character. Um, he's... Some people would say, oh, yeah, he's like a womanizer. He doesn't treat women right. But honestly, that's the James Bond character. He's yeah. flawed. Um, mm-hmm. And he's somewhat like me- he's really messed up. So but that's what makes an interesting character. They should also do that for uh, for a woman as well. You know, I thought uh, the the female characters in this movie could have their own like spin-off or whatever but uh there have been you know interesting uh female-led action movies uh like atomic blonde i thought anna was an interesting take on espionage um but overall yeah i think i would have to agree because james bond is james bond um especially when uh, um what, what's her name lashana lynch's character uh, was gonna was 007. 007. <laughs> I did not mind it when they said 007 because I, I 007 is just a number as long as James Bond is James Bond. Exactly, exactly. I, I feel like I, I agree with you there. I feel like people made too much of his comments and, and tried to read in between the lines a little bit too much. And uh, again, like I mentioned before with cancel culture, they're just looking for a reason to get offended uh, with this when really all he's saying is James Bond is James Bond. He's just a male character. And obviously over 25 films, it's been established that James Bond is a certain way. And, you know, you can make little tweaks to his character based mm-hmm. off of who you uh, ultimately end up casting uh, for, you know, like in the past uh, with past Bonds or now in the immediate future as they try to search for Daniel Craig's successor. But, what he's trying to say is that why do we need to have it where, you know, like you're playing around with James Bond being a female when you could just literally create a, uh, a a really good character that happens to be female that can have similar traits to James Bond. Um, and it could be a spinoff or it could just be its own thing. You know, you could have a female spy who could be a um not a womanizer, what is a manizer? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, you know, you can have a woman be a manizer. <laughs> exactly. And so um, I think he was just saying that really there should be, you know, I feel like now especially the biggest films that we, for the most part, see uh, in, in the box office are all like sequels. It's Mm, rare now that we do get like original content. And I feel like what he's just trying to say is like, you know what? Let's try to build a strong female character uh, from the ground up and then try to create a a brand new uh, franchise that can have a uh, a long run like James Bond. Create a completely new female character and try to, you know, build off of that where, you know, maybe it's something that they can eventually get to the point where they're passing the torch of being the next whatever female name or whatever character spy thing. Exactly. Basically, what I took from it was Bond was... uh, Not Bond. Daniel Craig was saying Bond is a classic. You know, let's make a a classic uh, woman character as well. Yeah. And have someone else carry that torch. Exactly. And and there's definitely nothing wrong with that because, I mean, James Bond's just so um established he's iconic and like you said he has his flaws especially you know i mean if you think about when bond was created when was the earliest bond film like decades ago i don't even know exactly when is it like 1960 i think yeah 
there you go. And 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 he's evolved over time. Uh, but for the most part, he's been like, you know, he's got his basic values, I guess. And so um, I'm kind of curious, obviously, who they end up casting. And actually, real quick, I mean, since this is Daniel Craig's last Bond film, did you want to just quickly give your, your quick ranking of, um, I guess, your favorite from best to worst? Uh, best uh, to Daniel worst? Craig? Yeah. <sighs> okay. Uh, Casino Royale, Skyfall, mm. No Time to Die, uh, ah, this is hard. Dang, you know, surprisingly, I've watched Quantum of Solace, uh, a lot. <laughs> surprisingly, <laughs> especially compared to Spectre, I've only watched it the one time. Uh, so I, but I'm probably still gonna say Spectre than uh, Quantum. I agree with you, pretty much. But I think maybe it's because it's a recency bias. I think I have no time to die slightly over skyfall mm. but only because i feel like i haven't watched skyfall in a long time i think if i watch skyfall <laughs> like like maybe later today or tomorrow i might have to flip-flop that but um i don't know uh, i'll get into some of the reasons why i think no time to die is uh one of my favorite uh bond films and uh yeah i i just Ooh. enjoyed it i think one of the major things that um does it for me is i like silva more than seven Mm. Okay. Just a just a slight difference right there. Okay. Uh, he but, is, I, I, oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. He is a bit, admittedly a better uh, villain. Mm. Yeah, they just didn't give enough time, I think, to Savin, unfortunately, uh, considering yeah. the runtime. Yeah, especially with that opening sequence that was basically like a like horror movie in a way. Yeah. Or serial killer esque. Oof. Yeah, we'll get into that in the next part of the the episode. Uh, But guys, I do want to ask you, uh, what's your favorite Daniel Craig Bond movie? Uh, Is it Skyfall? Is it Casino Royale? Is it No Time to Die? Or are you going to be a bit of a um, outlier, I guess? Wait, wait, what'd you say? (laughs) Contrarian? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, fancy words from Ken over here. Uh, (laughs) uh, And pick Quantum of Solace or Spectre. Just let us know. Um, so you can follow or tweet us on the Twitters at Weekly Real, or you can email us at the Weekly Real Podcast at email.com. Right, Ken? Dot net. Dot, dot net. <laughs> dot. Yeah. At. Yeah. What was it? No, no it's not. It's, uh, I was just kidding. It's Weekly Real Pod at gmail.com. Okay, yeah, you guys heard it there. Just remind me to get that right next time. All right, yeah, let's you can a- always scrub behind and then just get it again, you know, because we will put it on the episode notes. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I remember next time. Uh, maybe I need a break. Let's so let's take that now. Okay, welcome back from the break, and we're going to jump in straight into the Weekly Real Awards. And the first award we're going to give out is the Does Anyone Want to Get Out Award for Best Action Sequence. So, Ken, there's a ton of action in this movie. Freaking No Time to Die is not lacking in the action department. But what's your favorite action sequence of the movie? This one was definitely a tough one, just because, like you said, there's so many but not only that, I mean, anyone could have any action movie can have a lot of action uh, like sequences, but quality ones. True. Oh, my goodness. There were so many. Um, and so the one or I, I should say the winner of the Does Anyone Want to Get Award for Best Action Sequence for me is that tracking specifically that tracking shot at the end uh, in Safin's headquarters mm. where Bond is like literally just mowing down. Safin's uh like henchman because you know i gotta give it up to henchman for obvious reasons inside joke anyway uh Safin's uh henchman and it basically concludes with uh him ultimately killing cyclops um, oh yeah yeah dude that tracking shot was crazy first of all i will mention that i'm a sucker for tracking shots same and it basically started with one six minute tracking shot and I think I've mentioned this to you like in the past. 
It started all in 2014. In season one, episode four of one of my favorite seasons of television of all time, True Detective. And it was at the end of that specific episode that made me a fan of tracking shots. And coincidentally, that episode was directed by none other than Kerry Joji Fukunaga, no who happens to be the director of No Time to Die. And as soon as I saw that he was directing this film, I already knew I was going to be a fan of this episode, uh, this um, this Bond film. Dude, that sequence, I would have to agree with you that for sure. Uh, I mean, I'm going to mention one, but uh, a different one. But real quick, that scene, I've ever since, especially seeing John Wick, um, and just like ah, oh, they always compare John Wick, James Bond, Jason Bourne, whatever. Uh, it's like, why can't Bond have a have at least one scene like that, you know? Especially with Daniel Craig. Uh, I, I would, like, leaving the movie theater, I was like, dude, that's the best action sequence for Bond since Casino Royale. <laughs> yes. I was yes. like, damn. The, like, it, it, it's definitely up there with the, I wouldn't say it's as good as the parkour scene. Yeah. But it's definitely up there in the, basically it's it's the second best action sequence of the daniel craig era for sure i was oh like dang <laughs> and you knew he couldn't be wearing a suit for that scene <laughs> he had to you know let everything out for that scene i felt like the angles of some of these shots were different in the it was like a lower thing you know obviously he's trying to do some a little bit of espionage but then with the hard hitting like action like hand to hand combat fight choreography uh that we have been kind of accustomed to now seeing in some of the movies that we've covered here on the weekly reel podcast but i felt like this tracking shot i felt every like blow like hand to hand kicks um throws grappling all that stuff it it was so intense it was so good yeah, because it is hard to get a uh, a tracking shot done right and have like the impacts of the action. I think is the hardest thing about about doing that uh, to have it be quality impacts and you know not catching the angle <laughs> pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they did a really good job in that sequence, uh, and just for him to end it with a freaking pun, I guess, <laughs> uh, was was so. Bond. Bond. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> the one-liners. Gotta love them. Uh, for me, though, I mean, I would have to agree with you, but uh, the other one I did want to mention is the opening sequence. Mm. I, I loved how when Vesper's, like, basically her grave blew up and then the sound just cut out and he was basically so disoriented trying to get around trying to call madeline and that's how it kicks off this action sequence cuz i also love uh when movies have iconic cars and use them in Ooh. really awesome ways like the batmobile in batman begins but in this movie the freaking the db5 and miniguns oh. and it, just the way that they they set up that scene where like bond is just waiting till the very last second because he's like, frick, do I want to trust Madeline? Do I want her to live? And she's just pleading with him. And then the freaking Bond music just like starts screaming out. The, which, by the way, Hans Zimmer does yes. the score for this movie. Oh, yeah. And I definitely got Batman Begins vibes <laughs> sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been listening to that. Uh, but that sequence with the DB5, I, I really enjoyed that. Because in the in the trailer, I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. But it's like, yeah, gadgets. It's Bond. But when I saw it in the movie theater, I'm like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. Plus, you got a little bit of uh, Winter Soldier vibes when they were like, James Bond was like, dude, did I just get portrayed by another uh, girl again? And I remember he was like giving her the silent treatment as they were, as that car was getting shot up. And I was like, ooh, we're Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah 30 percent and all that stuff um yeah yeah. that was air conditioning is not is functioning (laughs) there's a yeah a lot of action sequences but uh i'm gonna go to the next award uh the forest scene was much better than i expected as well the trailers did not make it look good (laughs) 
but the the forcing very good action sequence as well but my uh or the next award is the jensen award for for underrated character or underrated scene so you can have your choice of the two pretty much ken well for those who listen to the podcast regularly um this may not be a surprise to you but uh you know i tend to pick Underrated scene over underrated character when we do give out the Yinsen Award, and this week is no different. Um, well, that opening scene was just so good. It had me hooked from the get-go, from the part where Safin is just stalking. Uh, well, obviously, he's there to to kill uh, Mr. White, um, who is Madeline's dad. Uh, but I guess he ends up coming to that uh, house in Norway and he shoots up the um i guess madeline's mom and he's trying to look for anyone to kill he has a suspicion that he's gonna kill someone else and we think that madeline's gonna be a goner i mean this is a a a flashback what uh after all so we know that she's not gonna die but for her to bust out with a gun unexpectedly Mm. caught me so off guard yeah it was one of the better recent surprises in movies that I didn't see coming. And uh, dude, I just love the way that Fukunaga portrayed just this whole scene. It, 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 you know, Fukunaga just took, took his time with establishing the scene and everything. And, uh, and for Safin to have that kind of opening, yeah, it was a little disappointing uh, Disappointing with how his character kind of developed throughout the movie. And I feel like, in my opinion, the reason why they did that was because they wanted to make this movie all about Daniel Craig and this being his last uh, Bond film. But, man, I feel like that was a perfect introduction to a really potentially great uh, villain. But, I mean, I don't think it quite landed overall. Yeah, because I was surprised that we had basically the opening scene of the movie isn't Bond. It's Madeline and Safin uh, compared to the other four. Uh, what was the opening sequence of Spectre again? <laughs> oh, I don't remember. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't remember now. <laughs> I've uh, only seen it the one time in theaters, and that was a while ago. But with the other three movies, from what I remember, <laughs> you know, they start with Bond. So. Uh, yeah, that scene was a good scene and for it to carry like, uh, to be the opening scene of the movie and it not being Bond, I thought was a pretty gutsy move too, to have that long of a sequence and then get into the Bond action, uh, and then into the, the intro, Mm. uh, intro song, which I, by that point I was like, Oh shoot, they're going to still have an intro song. I was like, I forgot. Yeah, and you know what? I feel like that one was a really quality one by Billie Eilish. Yeah, that was a good one. Good intro. It's probably best since Skyfall. Skyfall? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, My underrated, though. I'm actually going to go underrated character this time uh, just to mix it up. It's going to be Felix Leiter. You know, freaking... The Watcher? Bernard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Shoot, what's his name again? Uh... Oh, shoot. Where are you? How come IMDb is not showing him? What's his name again? Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright. There you go. Uh, Yeah. Just for his character to show up once again to remind you that he's been there since Casino Royale. I love their banter to each other just because Jeffrey Wright's playing like freaking American CIA and they have this banter between each other because obviously... Americans and the British, you know, sometimes they don't get along. <laughs> uh, and the humor is kind of different and the, the style and all that stuff. But I love how by the end of the movie, Bond basically refers to him as like a brother. I was like, oh, Bond, why are you saying that, man? That's oh, killing me. And uh, so it, it makes the scenes from the previous movies even that much more cool between them. I agree. Uh, it was it was pretty cool because I actually saw Casino Royale after I uh, I did watch 
No Time to Die. And uh, it was pretty cool to be able to see Jeffrey Wright just bust that come out of nowhere. And, you know, you know, there was, a I guess, a mystery like leading up to it um, as to what his attention intentions were. But man, by, you know, some of these scenes here in No Time to Die, you could tell there was a, 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 a true bond between brothers, you know, between those two characters. Yeah, dude. Um, it, Cause it's kind of weird how bond was able to actually connect with somebody and for him to actually reveal that is uh, a bit strange, I guess to be, <laughs> yeah. for bond to be vulnerable. Exactly. Uh, quickly though, I just wanted to give a shout out to Anna de Armas as uh, Paloma. Oh my goodness. She looked, I honestly, I don't know how the dress stayed on. In some of these action sequences, uh, whoever the uh, costume designer was, underrated. <laughs> the the freaking the kicks that she was doing, I was like, dang, what the hell? The hell is this? But yeah, the, her character super entertaining. Yes, uh, I I love the fact that she's like, oh, three weeks training. <laughs> I'm like, oh, right, this could either go really good or really bad. And I want- I wonder if that was meta. It was actually three weeks training, like, it, you know, for the movie. <laughs> uh, it, her character also reminded me of, like, her character from Knives Out. Yeah. So I guess maybe Bond was like, let's just kind of bring that type of character to, to James Bond, but make her a badass. Yeah. It, it was cool to see both Daniel Craig and uh, Anna de, de Arma share the, the same screen again. Yeah. Man, they need to make Knives Out too, though. Uh, but... I'm going to jump into the next award, which is going to be the I Don't Feel So Good Award for Best Death. Uh, Ken, are we going to... What, the obvious one? Yeah, are we going to do the obvious one or or not? <laughs> or am I going to say, you, you can go ahead if you want. I'll give the obvious one and I'll let you, you know, think... Yeah, I'll let you be the one that thinks <laughs> on this one. Uh, best Death... Uh, definitely goes to James Bond. First of all, it's historical. I mean, we're 25 films into the Bond franchise, and for Daniel Craig to be the first Bond to die on screen, I had to mention it. Otherwise, you know, for me, I like to be a mm-hmm. smartass when it comes to these uh, these uh, these awards. But, man, I thought that the reason why he died was done so well. Obviously, he ended up uh, being infected with Heracles' project heracles uh, Mm -hmm. with the nanobots and the way safin i guess manipulated the dna and everything where if he made contact with madeline uh or matilda uh, matilda he basically would have ended up killing him so basically he ended up sacrificing himself and that's what made that those final scenes so heartbreaking it when when they were you know over the intercom or whatever device that they were using and they were saying yeah. basically their goodbyes it actually reminded me of the o- very opening scene of the reboot of star trek with chris hemsworth the uh. great chris hemsworth <laughs> Holy <crap>. <laughs> <laughs> as uh as captain kirk's uh dad i forget the what his name first name was but man it it gets you in the feels man yeah, the the manly tears were like, definitely like no, James Bond like he's like no, he 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 could survive this. He could survive this. Don't he could survive all those missiles. <laughs> I'm like he could. And then when uh, Hans Zimmer's music swells up and all that stuff, I'm like, Batman survived this. <laughs> you know, it's like come on, man. And then. I, I'm, but I'm glad uh, that they actually showed that shot of him standing there with uh, Matilda's little stuffed toy too. I was oh, like, no, no, was, yeah. When and I knew that, like, when he looked down, I was like, oh, mm. he found the toy, the stuffed animal. I was like, oh, here it comes. And then you know, and he picks it up, and then he looks at it all, like, you know, sad. And obviously, you know, he just found out he had a daughter and. And you could tell there was like an immediate bond um, when, and no, no pun intended, by the way, um, <laughs> there was that <laughs> father-daughter bond that was just natural. And because he did, he he had an intuition that even though 
Madeline was initially telling him that, no, that's not your kid. <laughs> that's <laughs> it's not yours. Uh, but he knew, he, you know, he, he knew in the back of his mind and man, it was so, it was such a heartbreaking, heartbreaking I, scene. I think I went through the all, all five stages of grief in that scene. <laughs> I was like <laughs> going through denial, freaking depression and then anger and all that, whatever. I was like, holy crap. Or well, I got the freaking order messed up, but I went through all of them just in that one scene. I was like, oh, he, he could get out of this, right? It's like, oh no, don't die. It's like, ah, uh, you're, but he's not Batman. So yeah. mm-hmm. I, I think Batman can get away with it. Uh, but Bond, he's a, he's a little bit different. And uh, I'm, but I'm glad that's, I'm, it's a bittersweet ending for sure for the Daniel Craig. Like, when I watching, uh, it's kind of like Iron Man in a way. I think you're going back and let's say you watch Iron Man one or Casino Royale, you're gonna think about it and watch it a little bit differently. Um, Knowing but, that there's like a finality to his character. Yeah, but I'm glad that you actually get a good, not a good end, because I feel like you know his he had a happy ending in Spectre. Uh, but he had a better movie in it for no time to die. So I'd rather have that for the character. <laughs> I mean, and, coinciden- and co- coincidentally, I mean, you mentioned Iron Man. Uh, I don't know. Did you stay through like the, the end credits? I, oh yeah. Where it says, uh, James Bond will return. Yep. James Bond will return. Well, that's the MCU James Bond crossover event that we all need. <laughs> what if? And then Felix is the watcher, brings Bond back. <laughs> Everything is connected, brother. Shoot. Uh, real quick, I'm going to mention my best death goes to Safin. Just mm. because the way Bond kills him, I'm like, yeah, take that. Like, I was so angry for for what Safin did to Bond. Because I wanted him to survive. I thought at least, okay, he'll survive, but maybe not with Madeline or his daughter. Uh, but I don't. I feel like once he knew that even him existing was a danger to them, he gave up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my best death goes to Safin and just, you know, th- like two or three bullets in the face. Yeah. Well, honorable mention has to be for me if I had to pick a non-bond uh, death because I feel like that's the best one. I had the best one I've seen in a while, maybe since Tony Stark. I gotta give it to uh, Felix. That was such a heartbreaking scene because mm. of that bond they built. Again, no, no pun intended. Yeah, the bond was trying so hard, man. Then freaking, oh. just he goes out and there always there's always freaking drowning and for James Bond. I I feel like Bond was would have a fear of water by now. Freaking like with Vesper too. God. I know, man. Uh, the next award I want to give out is the That Shield Doesn't Belong to You Award for Most Intense Scenes. So there's plenty of scenes in this movie um, that are freaking intense. Which one are you going to choose? All right. Well, I try to uh, pick something different uh, because, like you said, I feel like I don't know if this one's the most intense, but at the time, just re, uh, just you know we're kind of going back and remembering it the scene that uh i'll give the that shield doesn't belong to you award is the scene where bond interrogates blow blowfield because it's not quite batman and joker interrogation scene from (laughs) the dark knight but i really did enjoy the tension throughout the scene and you could tell that bond was you could tell that bond was uh getting frustrated uh, with not getting going, uh, getting anywhere, I guess, with uh, some of the lining, uh, the the questioning that was going on during the interrogation scene, and obviously Blofeld just kept, uh, you know, wanting to just needle him and <laughs> and then just get him frustrated or whatever. But just kind of remembering what happens earlier in that scene, where you know, with the variable that Madeline you know, being there when she doesn't really want to, but then she ends up leaving and it's like, Oh, you know, you kind of do that whole like dissecting of the scene to figure out what happened because obviously Blofeld ultimately ends up dying. You're like, wait, how did that happen? I was like, Oh, Madeline like did something. Cause obviously they foreshadowed that in an earlier scene. Yeah. That scene was, yeah. Like you said, it wasn't the 
Batman and the Joker, but the way they built it up, I thought it was kind of funny though when he's on like those rails and it's like super slow. I'm like, isn't it yeah. faster just to walk down the hall? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, and see, and it's like scenes like this that I think with Fukunaga, he built the tension that way because yeah. it was like he was playing around with that, you know, kind of like this little, uh, pe- like that shot where he's moving, but then it, like the lighting was perfect because it was like was like in the shadows and then he would appear a little bit and then back in the shadows it was it was a good way to build tension uh in a very simple way and it's yeah. like basically filmmaking 101 that i yeah. definitely enjoyed yeah because there's also like the freaking dramatic irony or what i forgot what it is that um basically we know as the audience that bond has the the freaking bioweapon on his hand but he doesn't so in the scene, you, you can see him waving around his, his right hand and all that stuff, but he doesn't know. And just by the end, he's like, die, and all that stuff to, to Blofeld. He obviously, I don't think he planned on killing him because he, he was genuinely surprised <laughs> when he died. Um, but yeah, that, I think that's another uh, pretty intense scene. Especially that probably better than the Blofeld scenes in Spectre. Spectre, <laughs> I know, <laughs> even though he was like the main villain in inspector and he only had like one scene in this movie <laughs> exactly that's, uh, he should have probably won the stan lee award if we if we gave it <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much extended cameo yep. uh my most intense scene has to be the the bond final ascent uh just walking up those stairs on the intercom and all that stuff i was done di- uh, like i just couldn't handle it man i was like what's the music was too good and it just reminded me of like um, like a video game where you know like the character is about to die, and but you're in like a forced walking sequence in the game, and you have to push all these buttons, all these levers, and you know you're slowly about to go to your death uh, in like that type of story. And I, I felt that with this, um, with that scene, and uh, yeah, that scene was just too good, and so I. In a way, like I, I love that they expanded the relationship between. If they, if they didn't nail the relationship between Madeline uh, and the daughter with Bond, that scene wouldn't have worked. So, it, like basically, if you take the relationship from Spectre and then just try to go straight into that scene, I, there would there wouldn't be any weight to it. So, I'm definitely commending the writers and the director for taking that and still. Uh, developing those characters and the relationships. That's such a good scene. Uh, all right, we come to the point in the episode where we're going to do our favorite segment, the Guess the Rotten Tomato score. And unfortunately, Ken is winning at 2-1. to one. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of the few times I'm actually ahead in a season. <laughs> and honestly, uh, I don't know where this movie's going. We both have our scores written down, uh, but Ken, since I'm hosting, I'll let you reveal your score first or your guess first. Yeah. Well, um, I actually I went with my initial gut in terms of when I was trying to think of a thing. I was like one number just popped into my head right away. So I'm guessing 88 percent. Mm. Dang, that's high. Um, I picked 82 percent. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. So let me go on the Rotten Tomatoes real quick. Just laying, uh, reminding fans that basically we choose our, the scores right before, or not right before, before the show even starts uh, so that there's no cheating. And the tomato meter is certified fresh at 84%. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Way to build Ooh. tension. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but uh, so the point goes to me. Now we're all tied up. But want to guess the audience score? 88%. It is 88%. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you don't get the score, but. No. Uh, what would you call it? Constellation points? Eh, it was just, uh, you know, it's just a moral victory for me. Yeah. That's um, true. Side note. If it was 85, we would have gotten tied again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, but you got the point this week. So, I mean, we're just ultimately tied for the season again. 
All right. I do, I hate when we tie. It's so anticlimactic. Very. Uh, but let's give our, our last award, which is the I Love You 3000 award, where we're going to rate it from 1 to 3000. So, Ken, I don't know, man. Maybe you like this. Your scoring is higher than me. So, uh, what's your score? Um, I, I really did like I did enjoy this movie. I think uh, Hans Zimmer... Fukunaga, just from like my time with him in True Detective season one, ah, uh, and then Daniel Craig, I I feel like has been my favorite Bond. Uh, he may not be the best, but I think he's my favorite. I'm giving it a twenty six eighty eight eighty nine point six percent. I think Dang. it's actually my favorite movie this year. So whoa, wow, yeah, dang! I think that's it good. just narrowly beat. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And that's why I actually have to go back to see what I rated it and then (laughs) (laughs) just slightly have it above it. Mm. Mm, Yeah, that's close, man. Uh, I scored it a little bit lower just because I feel like when I rewatch it, I'm going to actually enjoy it more. Uh, So I'm going to have it a little bit lower at 2490 out of 3000. So that's 83%. Mm, Okay. Because I I feel like it could go a little bit higher. I feel like once I... I'm not freaking crying at the end. I and see what I see the movie. I might like it more. I th- I think the ending did it for me. It was a, a really mm. good ending, and that's not uh, that's a hard thing to do. Stick the landing. Yeah, stick the landing. Not just for the one movie, but for the five or the four other movies that they did. I agree. They t- somehow tied everything in. Yeah, I mean, even in the opening sequence, uh, uh, opening song intro thing, they had like a. Le Chief. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, you got to mention Le Chief. Oh, my favorite. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, do you want to preview anything for next week? Yes, Jeremy. Well, next week, AKA Halloween week. Yeah, we're already almost there. So, Halloween week 2021, both Jeremy and I will be checking out a film that is considered a modern horror classic. Horror classic not horror classic horror classic <laughs> okay hopefully I, I yeah i need to i need to enunciate better but anyway from the twisted mind of ari aster comes the 2018 film hereditary and so both jeremy and i have not seen it yet you haven't seen it yet right i have not seen it yet yeah we we haven't watched it yet for the episode but we will be having a guest Finally, we will be having a guest who has actually seen Hereditary, and she'll actually be our, I guess, resident Hereditary uh, expert. Really? So she's yeah. seen it. She has seen it. She has seen it. We won't reveal who it is just yet. You're just gonna have to go ahead and tune into that episode whenever we do release it, and we're aiming to have that out on October 25th, which is the Monday. Uh, before halloween and so um i I just want to quickly ask you which are you most excited about covering another horror movie it's like the first one since we did what psycho uh the 1960 original film or are you having uh, or or are you more excited (laughs) with having our first guest since uh since season one (laughs) shoot i'm probably more excited to have a guest (laughs) i it's fun with you ken for sure but sometimes you know we gotta we gotta mix it up it's been uh it's been a while since we have a guest since freaking season one so uh sometimes you need to you know maybe we get too much of each other once in a while yeah, I, know. <laughs> I know i know i need to share you with other people <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah hopefully we can get because uh, especially like in, we need different insights you know uh not just me talking about arnold all the time um, or or me bringing up wwe references. <laughs> yeah oh i thought we were gonna i thought we were trying not to mention that but we we did uh by the end of the episode <laughs> so yeah well, uh, I, I'm I'm with you. I'm really excited mm-hmm. to hear, uh, I guess, a third voice on this uh, podcast. Uh, you know, sadly, it didn't really work out in season two. We had some plans, but, you know, schedules didn't really line up uh, the way we wanted to. And so we're hoping that will change for season three. We're hoping that this is just the first guest of uh, several that we have lined up for uh, for season three of the Weekly Real podcast. And uh, I'm definitely pumped uh, for that uh, next week. All right, before we head out, is there anywhere on the social medias that people can follow you at? 
Yes. Um, both on Instagram and Twitter. That's usually where I am active. It's at FreakinA. Hmm. All right. Uh, yeah, you can follow me at JP underscore Flicks on Instagram. Uh, any closing thoughts on No Time to Die? No, uh, just glad that uh, Daniel Craig did an amazing job. I uh, definitely appreciate all the work that he did. Looking forward to seeing Daniel Craig <laughs> Knives Out too, whatever that is. Hopefully mm-hmm. we get to see uh, Anna to RMS for uh, selfish reasons, but uh, yeah. I ho- like, I'm excited to see Daniel Craig do other stuff too, because every time he's done other stuff, he's been good in it. Like, I wanted a sequel to uh, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Ooh, yeah. Uh, and we never got one with Daniel Craig. So, yeah, it's not too late, Daniel Craig. Yeah. <laughs> it's only been 10 years since that movie came out. <laughs> um, uh, so I'm excited for that. But w- with No Time to Die, it was a bittersweet ending for me. But it worked for the character. Um, and I'm glad that we had that as daniel craig's bond ending rather than specter i mean i don't I hate specter but this one was so much better agreed all right guys thank you all for listening to our episode on no time to die if you want to tweet us uh your thoughts on it uh feel free to do so uh follow us on spotify apple Podcasts to get notified for our next week's episode on hereditary But until then, we'll see you next time on The Real.